continuing our series in the book of Hebrews this afternoon, and we're going to be reading together from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through to 4, and so if you've got Bibles, I want to encourage you to, to open them up and find them. Hebrews is pretty close to the back, um, but if you don't know where it is, there's an index at the front, and that will tell you which page number to go to, and that's really okay to make use of that. You don't have to like pretend that you know if you don't. It's, it's really all right. You can use the index. If you don't have a Bible, uh, the words will come up on the screen behind me, provided there's power. If there's no power, then, then they won't come up on the screen behind me. Um, <laughs> but there are Bibles on the table at the back just there, and if you would like to uh, grab one of those, please do feel free to do so. I just want to say before we get into this today, um, actually my prayer is that this afternoon will be a Sunday for some of you that, that lives long in the memory. And not just because we had a crazy thunderstorm and a power cut and all ended up stood in the middle singing. But I hope that this Sunday will be a, a memorable Sunday for some of you, in fact for many of us this afternoon, because of what we're going to read together in these verses. And because of what I'm praying God would do in our hearts as we read and apply his word today. And so I just want to give a brief introduction before we get to these verses to kind of set the scene. So over the last two weeks, we've been together in Hebrews chapter 1. And as we've read chapter 1, you, you may remember from a couple of weeks back, the first thing that we read in chapter 1 is these words, that long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And then the rest of chapter 1 goes on to talk about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and, and to paint this glorious picture of Jesus. As we read through chapter 1, we see that Jesus came to reveal the Father to us, came to reveal the love of God to us, came to show us what the Father is really like. That as we read on, we discover that Jesus is supreme over all things. <laughs> he rules and reigns over all. That he's the one who dealt with your sin at the cross. <laughs> that you might be forgiven and having dealt with your sin, he's then seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father where he's enthroned and he sends angels to do his bidding. He's the living word who created all things and who sustains all things. He's worshipped and he rules over all. This first chapter seeks to just lift our eyes to Jesus to in, from different angles and in different ways over and over to say to us, he's amazing. He's glorious. He's worthy of worship. There's no one like him. He's powerful. He's good. He's kind. He's just. He's glorious. And as we read this first chapter, I don't know if you noticed in these last two weeks, but as we work through it together, there's no instructions. So we, we read these great and glorious truths about Christ Jesus, and as we read them, there's, there's no instruction for us. There's nothing for us to do as we read chapter 1. We just read about the great 
and glorious Lord of all. <laughs> Just gaze on him <laughs> and his majesty and his beauty. We're supposed to conclude chapter 1 utterly in awe of Jesus. And so if you weren't with us over the last two weeks, I'd encourage you to read chapter 1 at your leisure and just allow your heart to be stirred to worship, to see just how amazing Christ our Lord really is. No commands received, no instructions given, just eyes lifted to the radiant King of Heaven our Lord and Saviour. And that's where we begin chapter 2. And so we're going to read together from chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and then we're going to dig in and see what it would speak to us today. (laughs) So Hebrews 2, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable... And every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will." Lord, we thank you for your word this afternoon. We thank you for the the great and glorious picture that that you give us of Christ Jesus in chapter 1. I pray this afternoon, would you help us to hear what your word would speak to us? Would you help us to hear what what you would speak to us through your word? And we say, Holy Spirit, would you apply it to our hearts this afternoon in such a way that it makes a difference, in such a way that we can't go out from this place unchanged. Lord, I pray that this Sunday would be a Sunday that lives long in the memory because it's a Sunday where we meet with you, where we see you in your beauty and your glory and everything changes. Lord, help us to hear what you would speak to us this afternoon. Amen. Well, the first word of Hebrews chapter 2 is this, therefore. And some of you, if you've been at Foundation Church any length of time, will have heard me say before, when we find a, a therefore in Scripture, we have to ask, what's it there for? And the word therefore here is a joining word that joins all that we've read in chapter 1 about the glory of Jesus. All that we've read in chapter 1 about the the majesty and splendor and authority of Jesus. And it connects that to what's about to come. There's a flow of logic here that that wants us to look back at chapter 1 and the glory of Jesus. And what's just been said, and, and it's therefore could also read, in the light of that... Or, for this reason, what's the next thing that it says? Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. 
It's the first instruction we find in the book of Hebrews. Since Jesus is all that we have read about him in chapter 1, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. And what is that? What have we heard in context of, of the book of Hebrews? It's that God has spoken in these last days. And how has God spoken in these last days? Through his Son. By his Son. Through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the word that we must pay much closer attention to. The writer to the Hebrews is saying, since he is who he says he is, since Jesus is all that we've read about in chapter 1, we need to listen to him. <laughs> in some translations you would read, we, we need to give heed to the word, to the message. We need to listen to him and the gospel message that he came to proclaim with his life, death and resurrection. We need to pay attention to him. Much closer attention. This is a theme that's going to come up over and over again in the book of Hebrews. But this is the first time we find it here. Let me give you another couple of examples just so you know I'm not making it up. In Hebrews 3 verse 1 we read this. Therefore, there's another one, <laughs> holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Think on Jesus. F fix your attention or your thoughts on Jesus is what's being said there. Or in Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, we read these words. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. This note's going to sound over and over again through the book of Hebrews. Look to him. Fix your eyes on him. Pay attention to Jesus. Remember Jesus. Don't neglect his teaching. Don't neglect him. Keep him front and center. In all that you're doing. The Christian life doesn't begin with a list of rules to keep and work to be done. The first instruction in the book of Hebrews really helps us understand that. It starts with looking to Jesus. Our Saviour. Our King. And it continues in the same way. We don't look to Jesus just for salvation. We go on looking to him as our Lord, as our glorious King. We go on paying attention to him. Guys, this is good news, isn't it? <laughs> this instruction is easy. You know, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is an easy instruction. The instruction we receive isn't work like mad and you might grow in the Christian faith. No. What's the instruction we receive? It's look to him. Fix your gaze on him. Give him your attention. This 
It's an easy instruction. You know, it's easy to pay attention if you want to pay attention. This isn't a hard instruction. The instruction isn't try harder, do more, be better. You know, so many people think that that's what the Christian life is all about, don't they? How easily we also, as Christians, begin to think that. We look around, we compare ourselves with others, and we think, oh, like, I want to be as good as them. Like, I need to just, if only I could, then, ah. (laughs) No, the instruction isn't try harder, be more, do better. The instruction is, look to Jesus. And along with that first instruction, and we're going to, We're going to loop back round on that instruction in a moment, but along with that first instruction also comes another first in the book of Hebrews. And it's the first warning. And there's a a soberness and a seriousness about this. Because we read, we, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, and here comes the warning, lest we drift away from it. The righteous of the Hebrews is saying, we must diligently pay close attention to Jesus. Day after day after day, we need to keep looking to him or something's going to happen. We're going to drift away. That word drift, it's like a picture of a river to get caught up in the current and the drift of the river and to just float on by. You know, the currents of culture and actually the natural inclination of your own heart does not lead us toward God. I don't know if you've observed that. The currents of culture and the inclination of our own hearts do not lead us to drift in the direction of God. We don't drift towards God. We just don't. And culture will not push you towards God. It will pull you away. Drifting is dangerous. Drifting is dangerous, guys. We live in a noisy world. That's why we must pay close attention to Jesus. Why we need to keep coming back and listening to him. Keep continually fixing our gaze on him. Because we're surrounded by noise. We're surrounded by competing messages and voices. not difficult to listen but it's important to consider what are we listening to God continues through the writer of Hebrews with this warning and we read on from verse 2 for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received the just retribution how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation. This is 
the heaviest bit of this warning. The flow of logic here is this. When God speaks, we need to pay attention. We read, didn't we, at the start of chapter 1, long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. And then as we read on through chapter 1, we heard about the angels and how Jesus is better than angels. And the reason that the writer to the Hebrews was at pains to help us understand that is because the first readers of this were quite enamored with angels because angels were part of how God mediated the old covenant, his word to his people. God's word delivered through angels in the Old Testament in Israel's history was reliable. It was true. It was trustworthy. And when God's people ignored it or rebelled against it, there was a consequence. We see that time and time again, don't we, through the Old Testament, as God speaks to his people. And they turn their backs on him, or grumble against him, or walk away or reject him. And there's a, a consequence that comes. And we see that. But God's final word has now been delivered through Jesus, and that word is so much better. If they didn't escape temporal punishment in the old, the writer wants us to see now, how will we escape eternal punishment if we reject the message of God in Christ Jesus? See, the message of God in Christ is that we can be brought into relationship with him, that we can experience forgiveness for our sins through the finished work of Jesus Christ. But if we reject that, there is no escape for us. That's what we're being told here. If we neglect or ignore so great a salvation, then there will be a consequence for that. That's the warning that we are reading here and receiving here in God's word. It's a sober warning. Drifting is dangerous. Neglecting or ignoring Jesus is a catastrophic mistake. It's the worst mistake you could ever make. This is the first of several warnings in Hebrews. And as we read the New Testament, actually we find through it a mixture of warnings and assurances. And I, I just want to note this for a moment. We get great assurances that generally we really like. <laughs> like Will prayed out last Sunday while we were worshipping one of those great assurances from First Peter that God will preserve and protect his people. We go, yes, we love that assurance. Or assurances like Jesus himself spoke about those who would be saved. We read in John 10, in verse 28, he says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hands. Incredible security. When you come to Jesus, he says, no one will snatch my people from my hands. They're secure forever. Incredible assurance. But we also find stark warnings like this one in Hebrews that seem to suggest 
we could lose our salvation, that there is a way we could cease to be in Jesus' grasp. There's an interesting tension, actually, that we find as we read through Scripture of these warnings and assurances. And in the end, I, I believe, and we could go into this in more detail if you want to talk to me afterwards about it, but in the end, I believe that the Bible teaches two key things. I think the Bible teaches the preservation of the saints, as in those who are truly saved, God will preserve. He will hold them. And I think at the same time, it teaches the perseverance of the saints, in that those who are saved, those who know Christ Jesus as their Lord, will persevere in their faith until their last breath. In other words, what I believe is that those who are saved will hear the warnings we find in Scripture and they will heed the warnings we find in Scripture and they will respond to those warnings. They'll respond in faith and God will preserve them and the Holy Spirit will equip them to respond in obedience. And part of the means of grace that God has given to preserve his people is his word, which contains these warnings. And so I think we have to pay attention. It's a sober warning, but, but this is the good news. It's a sober warning, but the solution and the answer and the response to this warning is not swim harder or try with all your might to make sure you don't drift. It's not get real good at doggy paddle. The solution is look to Jesus. See, the truth is, if you don't keep looking to him, if you don't keep fixing your eyes on him, if you don't keep paying attention to him, then you will give yourself to lesser things. You will live your life pursuing lesser things and you will drift. And one day you'll realise just how far from him you are. That's not a nice realisation. It's necessary for us. It's good for us to keep looking to Jesus Christ. Because affection precedes obedience. What do I mean by that? When you look to him, when you see him in all his beauty and glory, when you remind yourself what he's done for you at the cross, when you delight yourself in him, when you make him your magnificent obsession, what happens is that you want to respond in love for him. You want to please him. And so you grow in obedience. And the spirit at work in you grows in you the likeness of Christ more and more. We grow to maturity in our faith. When you're satisfied in him, you won't be looking for it elsewhere. It's just true. See, in Psalm 90, God inspired the psalmist to write this prayer. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. 
satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love? This is the answer. (laughs) This is the answer to the Christian life. It's impossible to live the Christian life without daily and continually looking to Christ Jesus and finding yourself satisfied in his great love, his kindness, his compassion, finding yourself in wonder, his glory, his grace. To try and do it any other way becomes striving and legalism and condemnation. It's exhausting and in the end it leads to death. You can swim as hard as you like, but you're going to get burnt out and exhausted and frankly you'll die trying. The only way to stop drifting is to look to him, to delight yourself in him. Gratitude will flow. Love will blossom. That's actually why, as a team, we encourage you to do Seeing Jesus together, to to daily read the Bible, devotionally in that way, as we read the Bible to, to see what it teaches us about Christ, to have our hearts turned towards him daily together. It's why we're doing the gospel fluency course together. That we learn to remind ourselves and remind one another to point each other consistently back to him. To orient our lives around him. If you're listening today and you know that you're drifting... You just know the drift of your heart and your life is away from God. If you know that's true of you and you don't care that that's the reality, then I want to warn you, lovingly, I want to warn you, you're in danger. You're headed in a dangerous direction. I want to encourage you as strongly as I can possibly encourage you to look to him, to pray. Lord, would you soften my heart towards you? Lord, would you forgive me for my hardness? Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me at the cross. I want to encourage you to pray. Say, Lord, change my desires that I wouldn't be okay with drifting, but that I would long to be close to you. Pray that he would give you a desire for him. And I trust as you pray that he will. Maybe this is more of us today. Maybe you know you've been drifting but you don't want to do it. You don't want to drift. You know that that's where you've been and that saddens you, it grieves you, it frustrates you. And as as we've read through these verses together today, you're like, that's not where I want to be. 
I want to encourage you. That's a good sign. It's a good sign. I want to encourage you to heed the warning. To look to him again. See, I know you know this, but I think we all need to be reminded of it. Christianity isn't just say a prayer once, get a ticket to heaven, and wait it out until we die. Because what's going to happen if we try that? What's going to happen? We're going to drift. If you try it, you're in danger. You're going to drift, and actually, you've missed the point. If you're in Christ, the Bible says you are a new creation. That means you have new desires to please him. And that's why I'm saying if you know you're drifting and you don't want to drift, that's a good sign. It means you're a new creation. It means your desire is for him. And so I want to encourage you, look again to Jesus. Turn your eyes again towards him. We feed and build up that new nature, that new man, by paying attention to Christ, by remembering the good news message he came to proclaim for us, to live daily in the light of the gospel. One of my favorite hymns um, has a couple of lines in it, and I wasn't going to share this, but when we were praying earlier, I was reminded of it. In one of the verses, it says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. And every time I sing it, I'm, I'm struck because I know that's true of my life. And, and I'm pretty confident <laughs> because we don't drift towards God that if you're honest, that would be true of your life too that you know the tendency of your heart is to wonder. But the next words in that hymn say, Take my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. I don't want to encourage you to make that your prayer today. To, to look to him again in his beauty and to say, Jesus, I don't want to be anywhere else. I don't want to look to anyone or anything else. Lord, I, I don't want to give my attention and my affection to lesser things. I want to fix my gaze on you. I want to know you more. I want to grow in intimacy with you. I want to grow more like you through the years. I don't want to drift. I want to remain firmly anchored to you bound to you. Just, just take my heart like a fetter and bind it to you. One of the pictures we're going to get later in the book of Hebrews is that there is an anchor in heaven for us. It's Christ. I want to encourage you today you feel that you've been drifting to say, Lord, I want to be anchored to you. Firmly and securely rooted. 
This isn't about earning your salvation. It isn't about ticking off a list of do's and don'ts. It's not about working your guts out to be the best person you can be. It's about daily, consistently coming to him, beholding his glory and grace, delighting in sins forgiven and conscience cleansed, realizing again that there's nothing for you to do to earn your salvation. And as we do that, to be transformed by him, by his spirit at work in us, I want to encourage you guys. Look to him. Delight in him. Hope in him. Worship him. It's the answer. There's none better. There's none more glorious. There's none more powerful. There's none more mighty. There's none who is more beautiful. There's none who is more tender in mercy or rich in love. Fix your eyes on him. We're going to come back to worship now. Uh, I don't know how we're going to do that. We might have to stand in the round again and, you know, we'll, we'll work it out. We'll give a stand in the middle and we'll work it out. We don't need electricity to worship Jesus. Hey? I want to pray for us now before we come and do that. That this would be a moment. And I want to encourage you, if you've heard me today and you know I've, just, I've been drifting, I want to encourage you to, to pray for yourself now and to say, Lord, enough. I don't want to drift anymore. I'm looking to you again, Jesus. Would you reveal yourself to me again this afternoon in your beauty and your glory? Would you reveal yourself to me again? Maybe you've never prayed that prayer. Maybe you've never said, Lord, I'm, I'm turning away from my sin. I'm turning away from doing things my way. I'm turning away from trying to find satisfaction in other things. I'm turning away from trying to swim as fast as I can upstream and I'm looking to you, Jesus, as my only hope. If you've never prayed that, I want to encourage you to pray for the first time today. Put your trust in him. He'll never fail you. He'll never let you down. Let's pray, shall we? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Lord, we thank you that you stepped out of glory. You took on human flesh and you lived the perfect life that we could not hope to live. You perfectly obeyed the Father. You fulfilled every requirement of the law on our behalf and you went to the cross. You paid the, the penalty for our sin there. As you did and as you rose three days later victorious over the grave, you freed us from the present power of sin. Lord, we look to you again now. We say, Jesus, all our hope is in you. I thank you so much that, that you haven't looked on me and said, 
KO and you're just not cutting it. You need to try that bit harder. You need to, you need to be that bit more faithful, that bit more consistent. You need to be that, that bit more devout. You need to read a bit more. You need to pray a bit harder. Lord, I'm so glad huh, that you've taken the weight of trying to earn my standing before you off my shoulders. And instead, you say to us, look to me. Look to me. Delight yourself in all that I've done on your behalf. Oh, Jesus, we look to you again and we say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, would you take our hearts this afternoon and seal them with you. Oh, Lord, we recognize that it's so easy to pay attention to the noise of culture, to find ourselves chasing after this and that and the other, but we look to you again now, Jesus, and we say, Lord, would you be our magnificent obsession? Lord, we want to be those who pay much closer attention to what we've heard in you. We look to you now. We say, Lord, fill us again by your Spirit. Help us to be those who day after day after day after day find our great joy and delight in you. Knowing that as we do, (laughs) we won't give ourselves to those things anymore. We won't feel the tug of those things quite so acutely. Jesus, we're looking to you. Be glorified in our lives, we pray. Amen.